The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Saturday, May 1st. Hello, May. Crept up on us a little quickly. If you're watching us on... Actually, no, it's May 1st, no matter whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast, because this is how we roll. We record after the draft rounds end, and we give you the latest intel on the draft. Yesterday, of course... We had a breakdown of the first round with Ryan Wilson and John Breach. We made Ryan Wilson come on here from a tiny little Cleveland hotel drenched in cold rain to tell us why Mac Jones fell. Fortunately for him, Bill Belichick bailed him out. But for this episode, we will be ripping through rounds two and three with our good friends, Josh Edwards and Chris Trapasso. What's up, boys? How's it going, Will? You don't know who's supposed to go first. See, that's you got to whoever's name I say first. That's who goes first. That was my fault. That's all me. Uh, I'm so used. I'm so used to Wilson being here that he jumps in first, and then I just follow his lead. No, 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 it's not your fault. It's my fault. That's my (laughs) assumption. And it's look. It's midnight on Friday. I think my son is asleep. My wife is uh, absconded to Asheville with her friends to celebrate her birthday for the second weekend in a row. You can't fight it. What are you gonna do? She's like, here, you deal with the kid. You don't have a job, right? Like let's, let's, <laughs> let's worry about the NFL draft. Tomorrow, of course, we have day three coverage plus in-depth breakdowns all throughout next week and for a lengthy amount of period of time because really this is all we've got until August. I digress. We have Aaron Rodgers. Let's get into the second and third round of the draft. It was I don't I don't I don't know it was a bad second day of the draft. There are a lot of good players taken. But, I mean, Thursday was so crazy, Josh, that it felt like Friday was kind of a – and there were a bunch of trades early, but it felt like Friday was kind of just a meat and potatoes sort of day. Am I I wrong there? No, I don't think you're wrong. I mean, the the pace that which picks were starting to happen in the second part of day day two uh, was becoming very quick. I mean, it was – It felt like a Saturday. It was pretty tough to keep up. It did feel like a Saturday. You're right. There was um, a lot of comments on Twitter about the viewing experience. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely not as entertaining and, uh, you know, exciting as what we saw on Thursday. So, Traps, would you like a 1.5 speed from, a, you know, like if, if Thursday is two speed and, and Friday is, or I guess uh, Friday is two speed and Thursday is, is one speed, 
Is it would a 1.5 serve the viewer better? Because I, I do think it was, and I didn't know if that was me. I mean, again, like I'm dealing with one kid. It's not the end of the world. But I, I didn't know if it was me sort of bouncing back and forth like, hey, are you all right with that iPad? Do I need to do anything? I'm watching the draft. Or, or if it was really sort of the flow of it. it. It felt like there were three picks behind from the jump street. Yeah, one and a half speed would be perfect uh, for the second and third rounds because I think the NFL needs to realize that, like, Everyone can get these picks on Twitter or on some social media platform, probably Twitter at this point. So like if they slowed it down a little bit and actually had the picks coming in where you could watch it and you're not getting the fifth pick uh, or like a pick that happened five picks ago, I think it'd be a better viewing experience, but it did get us done a little bit earlier. Um, I don't know if people really care about that, but certainly if you're recording a podcast second night in a row, staying up until about two in the morning, then you kind of want the draft on Friday and certainly Saturday to go a little quicker. Three fingers. That's for 3 a.m. And the amount of each per each pour of bourbon on, on Thursday night. So I, I will say this because we kind of talked about it before the podcast, but um, part of what makes the draft so interesting is the conversation, uh, the dialogue between analysts that are discussing the picks. Um, and I feel like it's gotten to the point where, they know who's going to be picked before it's actually yeah. announced, yeah. you know, and it's, it's not like, well, they could go this direction. They could go this direction. They already know which direction they're going to go and they're already tipping the pick to all the viewers. So um, I kind of Hate miss it. just the casual back and forth between the analysts that we are accustomed to seeing. And, and we're not doing a full breakdown of the viewing experience, but I think this is important because it, it matters. And by the way, Debo, Debo on the stream with us, Debo, how you doing, buddy? Did you, what, what, what were your thoughts uh, you know, specific to each each individual media personality, if you could give that on the podcast. Oh, yeah, let me just break that down in depth um, and criticize everybody. I mean, if, if you were, weren't watching the fantasy football draft special, I mean, we got Brady Quinn's GQ shoot on the air with him in a that pool. That was an amazing moment. It really was. You know, Pete Prisco, his, some workout video of his exists out there. So that's what I was focused on. Um, so no commentary on... I, I, I do think that so at, I mean again we're not trying to criticize the media here but I, the draft is a viewing the NFL wants has made it very clear to the people who work for the companies that broadcast the draft and to the people who work with the NFL that don't broadcast the draft that they want the picks to be played out on television and and it, it, I don't know it, anyway we don't need to get into the weeds on this but if it's being broadcast on ABC like let's have a couple different broadcasts that ABC broadcast yeah. is for the general fan. That NFL Network broadcast should be for the hardcore tape grinder, you know, person who loves, you know, Ali Marpet and D2 guys. Anyway, that's this is a, a dumb tangent. We'll get off of it. I'm sure that I have messages from Diva and Slack that say, please shut up and move on. So let's get to the second round. Tysey Campbell. <laughs> By the way, this, this is how obvious it was. Tysey Campbell was minus 500 to be the pick to the Jaguars and the Jaguars were minus five fifty to be, to draft a cornerback uh, about six o'clock. It was, you know, unbettable. They take Tyson Campbell there. We see Elijah Moore come off uh, with the second pick there. Javante Williams, third to the Broncos, Javon Holland, the first safety of the board in the entire draft to the Dolphins at 36 Landon Dickerson to the Eagles. Patriots take Christian Barmore, the who had a monster playoffs for the for Bama, but has been up and down and only played I think like thirty five percent of the snaps. Tevin Jenkins to the Bears, 
Richie Grant to the Falcons. Hello, Falcons. Uh, eight to one to safety in the second round. Someone named Levi to the Lions, and then Liam Eichenberg to the Dolphins. If you're looking at these early second round picks, Josh, which one of those really pops out to you as a man? I I love that fit. I love that player. I love how this played out for this team. Well, I love the Elijah Moore pick by the Jets because um, similar situation to what we've talked about um, nonstop about Sam Darnold on this podcast. One of the issues with him not having success in New York was that he was not surrounded with enough talent to be successful. Um, So I've been really impressed with what Joe Douglas has been able to accomplish on the first two days of the draft this year. They went out, they got Elijah Vera Tucker yesterday, um, arguably the best interior offensive line prospect in this class. And then you come back at the top of the second round and you get Elijah Moore, who has tremendous speed. Um, He's going to give them a youthful infusion at the wide receiver position to go along with Corey Davis. But this probably spells the end of Jamison Crowder in some capacity, which is going to save you some salary cap space as well. Well, in that was a fantastic segue because I had the Jets listed as a a slash winner with another team just because I wanted to talk about them because I think they've done – I, Joe Douglas to me has done, and Traps, you can speak to this because you're you're a Bills guy. But what the Bills did with Josh Allen was build up this infrastructure around, build up this infrastructure, and then drop the quarterback in there and allowed him to grow inside the infrastructure. And you see the success he had. The Jets drafted Sam Darnold the same year that Josh Allen was drafted, and we're like, hey, figure it out, bro. By the way, here's Adam Gase. And, and no wide receivers and a terrible offensive line. But good luck with that. So, of course, it didn't work out. I think Joe Douglas has done a sort of billsy kind of job in terms of building things out. And I I, I, I love – and this is it's a humble brag, but I, like, I was on with Jim Rome on Friday. It's definitely a humble brag. And, um, and I was like – The Jets moves, but I was like, this is, this is what you do. When you take a quarterback in the top five, you don't then – say, oh, we need to draft five defensive linemen. No, go out and help your guy. Give him weapons. Give him offensive linemen to grow with. Make things easier for your quarterback. And I think they did that, Traps. And so I'm a big fan of the Moore pick here. And I don't know if, I don't know if it definitely spells the end of Crowder just because I think it's like $10 million in terms of salary cap. I think you're, I think you're probably onto something, Josh. But just because he's a security blanket, they might keep him around. Yeah, Elijah Moore, to me, uh, I think is a more explosive version of Jamison Crowder. We know Crowder is probably one of the more reliable, like strictly slot receiver, like can average eight or nine yards per catch, and that can be a good season for him. Uh, Elijah Moore can stretch the field vertically, and I think if you watched Zach Wilson's film, you saw that he does like to push the football down the field. Corey Davis isn't really that type. I actually like Keelan Cole as a sneaky, like depth wide receiver for them. So he certainly has done a good job, Joe Douglas, building the infrastructure. Uh, I I still think the offensive line, even with Elijah Vera Tucker and Makai Becton, could use some more players up front. I I think there's more, uh, you know, journeymen up there um, on that offensive line. But with what he's been able to do first two or three rounds, he's prioritized offense and building a good environment for his quarterback. And my new theory with the draft, when in doubt, go offense, because you got to score 30 points a game if you want to make the playoffs and go deep into the playoffs. And the Jets have been nowhere near that for a very long time. I muted myself. Um, looping back to those early picks in the second round, Traps, is there, is there somebody that stood out to you? Yes. At, oh, okay. Well, tell me who stood out. Absolutely. 
Oh, yeah. Um, Richie Grant from UCF, who went to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I, I don't know why Javon Holland was the first safety off the board. He's not a great athlete, although he, he had a lot of ball production. Richie Grant was the first round safety for me. I mean, in terms of doing everything that you need at the safety position today, covering the slot, ranging from the deep middle, playing that robber role in the middle of the field, uh, coming downhill to stop the run. That's Richie Grant. I mean, he's a little bit of an older prospect, but a lot of ball production, I think 10 interceptions over the last three years at UCF had a great senior bowl tested. Well, like I, I couldn't really find a legitimate flaw for him on film. So a first round prospect to a Falcons team and correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the Falcons like have had like no name players on defense since they were in that Super Bowl. Like do they, have they had a star outside of Grady Jarrett, they need a playmaker. And I, I'm not going to say that Richie Grant is going to be an all pro as a rookie, but they needed playmakers. And I think that's definitely what Richie Grant is, can play so many different roles on the back end in Atlanta. One of the things that stood out to me in the early picks was the Carolina Panthers trading out of a, uh, where, where the, so the Bears at, 39 took Tevin Jenkins and everybody in Carolina was like, well, are we going to take an offensive lineman here? Are we going to take an offensive lineman here? What are we doing? Like what's happening? And then they trade out and get a third round pick. And I think people were pretty worried about it, but I actually had the Panthers and we're going to dive into winners and losers. I have the Panthers as one of my winners here. And I didn't see, as my son likes to say, didn't see that coming. I didn't see it coming because when they traded back multiple times on Friday, it felt like they were ignoring the obvious weakness that they had passed over in the first round, which was offensive tackle. Greg Little, there are a lot yeah. of people who believe he won't be on the team next year. So I guess it's Cam Irving, but maybe it's Brady Christensen, who, by the way, might be as old as I am. I think he's like 24. He did, he did the BYU mission. Yeah, he's an older BYU. Yes, he's an older BYU prospect, not like Zach yeah. Wilson. But, man, I got to tell you, I think I liked, I liked the J.C. Horn pick personally. Now, if the if the Bears are good with Tevin Jenkins and Justin Fields, Panthers fans are in a hellscape because they could have had Justin Fields and Tevin Jenkins without doing anything, just sitting there and making picks. But I like the J.C. Horn pick in day one. And then Terrence Marshall at 59, that guy's a first-round talent easily. No one questions that. He had medical issues. That's the only reason he was there at 59. The Panthers traded down twice and scooped up Terrence Marshall and the key thing here for me is that Scott Fitterer and Matt Rule and David Tepper, by extension, are trusting Joe Brady's relationship with Terrence Marshall to 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 know that I mean, I mean, like you know, he coached him in, coached him to a national championship in college. You have to assume that if Terrence Marshall is telling Joe Brady that he is fine from a medical standpoint, that the Panthers didn't have an advantage in terms of getting Terrence Marshall at a discount. So they get him, they trade down again, they pick up Brady Christensen at 70, and then Tommy Tremble, a blocking beast at, uh, at 83. I like what the Panthers did in day two, and I didn't think I was going to like it. I thought I was going to pencil them in as losers for not getting an offensive lineman, and they did, Josh. Yeah, I like what they did as well. They were one of the contenders for my winner on day two as well. Um, Terrace Marshall, like you said, has a history with Joe Brady. I mean, if Joe Brady is willing to sign off on possibly adding him to the offense, then that's as big of an endorsement as you need if you're making that decision. Um, to add him with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore to that offense, you're giving Sam Darnold some of the weapons that he never had in New York. 
and giving him a fighting chance to be successful. So um, I wasn't a big believer in the smokescreen that they could possibly take a quarterback on day one. But man, I mean, the investment that they've made around him, I think Sam Darnold is not going to have any any excuse if he's not a, not successful in Carolina. I mean, Traps, he's got a better setup right now than he had. Than oh, yeah. It's not even close. What? Way better. And what's good, too, is that his best wide receiver, the guy he had the most connection with, Robbie Anderson, is there in Carolina. That was probably part of the reason why the Panthers were okay and to kind of greenlight that trade because they knew that they were going to pair Sam Darnold with Robbie Anderson. What I do like, and I kind of felt similar similarly to you, Will, that I was like, why are they not picking an offensive tackle? It's a gaping hole. I think they realized, and it was a, a good show of patience by a first-time GM and Scott Fitterer, to say, hey, it's a good offensive tackle class. There's depth. We can trade down. He knew the board. There was still uh, a lot of other offensive tackles to still get one on day two and, and, and not force the pick and to get Terrace Marshall there and, and not pick an offensive tackle where you, then you wouldn't be able to get Terrace Marshall later on day two. So I think it, it was good draft navigation, usually trading down, getting more roles at the table when you're kind of a rebuilding team is is smarter than just making selections throughout the draft. So for a first-time GM and a relatively young, new head coach, I think they did a good job. Yeah, and it, it's also worth noting that the people think the Panthers wide receiver depth – I've been saying this on the podcast for months now. People think the Panthers wide receiver depth chart is good. It's not that good. Robbie Anderson's in the last year of his deal. DJ Moore is in the last year of his deal until yesterday – or until – if it's Saturday, until – Friday, I guess, right? Or Thursday when they mm -hmm. picked up option. So he's got two years left. They still have to work out that contract, which is going to be complicated because he wants top five money or top 10 money. And I don't know if they're going to give it to him, even you know, given his age and production. And, and then your next, their third guy is like David Moore. So they needed a wide receiver. This, this helps them out in negotiations and in terms of talent. All right, Josh Edwards, you not only, you just got snaked by traps. He picked your- I did. Your team is a winner, but I'm going to get to your winner first. Who do you, who do you like? What do you like on day two that you saw from an AFC West squad? Yeah, so we were kind of sniping some early winners in day two, and immediately the Chargers jumped out to me um, as a big winner because I love Asante Samuel Jr., the value that they got in him early in the second round. Uh, I think he's a perfect fit for the type of system that Brandon Staley is bringing over, well, I should say over to Los Angeles. He never left Los Angeles. Uh, but that Vic Fangio style defense where, um, you know, uh, Asante Samuel Jr. is going to be allowed to press a little bit and get his eyes back to the quarterback and make plays on the football. Just a really great fit in that scheme. I would have loved if they had had a shot at J.C. Horn in the first round. But Asante Samuel is a very good consolation prize. And honestly, I didn't really need to see what else they did in day two because I was so excited with the addition of Asante Samuel. I think that's a fantastic pickup. Uh, wide receiver Josh Palmer is a guy that has gotten a lot of buzz since the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's been very highly discussed among uh, the draft community. A lot of people love him. I wasn't as high on him as others, um, but good value depending on who you listen to at this stage in the second round. Uh, and then finally, Trey McKitty, who's a very athletic tight end, never really got the opportunity to showcase his full skill set at Florida State transferred to Georgia, who also did not showcase him to his full skill set. Um, so it may not be until he arrives in Los Angeles that we're able to see what, they, what he's able to do on the football field. I think he's got a tremendous skill set and could be a huge addition in the absence of Hunter Henry. I, I, I was shocked by um, 
Asante Samuel falling to 47. I, I understand that's that he's weird. not like, like what is the knock on him that he's smaller? Yeah. That's it? Yes. You me that's that it. And he No, go ahead. Tell me. I wonder what, are, what no, are I was gonna say he, he he played. No, I mean it, it's definitely that he's smaller, but you watch him in the S in the ACC. No, I just want to like hear I want to hear strictly weaknesses, traps. What are his weaknesses? No, that's what I'm saying. I I don't know because he was a t- like he was my number two corner in this class because he plays bigger than his size. But I think there are scouts and GMs and coaches out there that see 5'10", 185 and think, oh, he can't be a first round pick. He's not tall enough. I want my corners to be sudden and twitchy, can stay with with wide receivers down the field. That's Asante Samuel. All right. So here here's my sort of thing on Asante Samuel. And I feel like this should be more obvious. I, I'm not a draft junkie. You guys are draft junkies. You guys grind on tape. You talk to people, and you're awesome at your jobs. Asante Samuel, his father was a Pro Bowl cornerback. His son is a cornerback coming into the NFL who played for a Power 5 school. Sure, Florida State sucks now, somehow. because <laughs> That's a whole different story. But, but they get prospects. And Asante Samuel is a good prospect. and He's a ball hawk. It's it's not the same as TJ Watt because that was JJ Watt's brother. But when are we wake up and realize that like, like if TJ Watt's in the draft, don't let him drop to the mid twenties. If Asante Samuel's in the draft, don't let him drop to the mid forties. That dude should have been a first round pick or an early second round pick. I don't get it. Yeah. He's a ball hawk with a father who played at the NFL level. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me. So you're gonna ding him because he's short. Like, what, what what are we doing here? 77, like 60% of the actually I have to 75% now. 75% of the snaps every single game are run with three wide receivers. So you have a bunch of short, tiny slot dudes out there. What are we doing? Draft a guy whose dad was an incredible athlete at the pro level. And it's not just because he's pick six. We were asked in the chat, is the Chargers, Josh, is the Chargers secondary the best? In the NFL, if Derwin James is healthy, we're looking Ooh. at a situation where Derwin, Chris Harris, Nasir Adderley, and of course now Asante Samuel, they did lose uh, Casey Hayward this offseason. I I don't I don't have my personal offseason secondary rankings in front of me. I haven't put them out yet, but uh, it's pretty good. It is pretty good, and they're certainly in contention for that spot. Uh, I do think you have to consider Derwin James's health. Uh, when factoring in which team might have the best secondary. We're probably, I think Traps is actually going to discuss one team that may have the best secondary after some of the moves that uh, mm-hmm. they've made this offseason, a team that um, we, I guess we can, it's it's the Browns. The Browns have made a lot of additions to the secondary this offseason. Josh, sure. Josh, did you just segue to your winner? What a beautiful job. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, <laughs> guy, I was. The guy with a newborn child who's like, get me off this podcast. I won't sleep. <laughs> Brilliant. Go, go, go. I, I, was, I was trying to get the Traps as winner, and I was going to let him kind of uh, pull back the curtain, but I just couldn't, I couldn't dance around that. That was, it was, it was too difficult to explain what they've been able to do this offseason without, uh, mentioning them by name, but they've they've added a lot of talented players, a couple of really talented uh, secondary players from the Rams, in addition to uh, getting Jeremiah Wusukormoa, who's going to have tremendous impact on that secondary. Uh, and then you get Greg Newsom in the first round as well, and I think that was really good value. So 
Uh, before I take any more of Traps' talking points away, I'll, I'll, I'll give him the floor. No, that's completely fine. I mean, you're the Browns guy, so I, I wanted to even ask you before we recorded, like, can I steal the Browns? Because I really, really liked what they did. Because Jeremiah Usu-Kormoa was my number one highest-graded defender in the entire class, number 10 wow. overall. I, I didn't see why – I mean, talk about ridiculous knocks on a player because he's too small. Darius Leonard admitted after the playoff game against the Bills, I was there, that he played at 218 this season. And this is Darius Leonard who already is one of the most athletic and fastest linebackers in the league, came into the league in the 230s. Jeremiah Owusu-Kormo is like 6'1", 215. He covers like a safety, reckless abandon, uh, chasing running backs, can beat blockers, super sudden, fast. I think he is the safety linebacker hybrid that people wanted Isaiah Simmons to be. But he's almost too big. Like we said that Zayvon Collins on a previous podcast, too big at 270. You don't want someone 6'4", 245. That's too big for today's NFL. I don't know why Jeremiah Owusu-Kormo have dropped probably due to size, but to get Greg Newsom in round one and then get him in round two. And then even Anthony Schwartz, just to be a niche down the field wide receiver. And even if he's just running clearing routes to open up things underneath for Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt in the uh, pass game out of the backfield, I think the Browns have done a really good job filling needs on the defensive side in free agency early in the draft. And then with it, uh, Anthony Schwartz pick to add just another dynamic to their offense. And and let's not forget they got a um, a popular musician named Machine Gun Kelly. Is that is, is that who it is? I don't. I took a video of it, but I didn't, I didn't know who the hell that guy Come was. Come on, Brinson, step oh. your step your pop culture game up. <laughs> you you know I don't know who Machine Gun Kelly is. He's dating uh, Megan Fox. If that what wow. rings Good any bells? <laughs> what? Good for that him. Guy? Yes, the that guy. guy. That guy. Yo. <laughs> He's like, I'll see you 2020, see you tomorrow night, and in 2022 when the Browns win the Super Bowl, I'm out and dropped the mic and walked off. Like, what are you doing? Cleveland then, super fan. <laughs> you know what? Wait, what? He's a Cleveland super fan. Oh, they said he was an Eagles fan. I was like, no. why did he yell at the Browns? That's what I thought he said too. Yeah. So, I had somebody who tweeted replied to me. It was like, man, nobody gives a. He used a bunch of f words. He's like, nobody. He's like, nobody cares in Cleveland about winning a Super Bowl, we got titles on end. It's like, yeah, what are you doing? What is happening? You ever won a title? You've never won a Super Bowl and you haven't won a title since 64. Like that's, it's like me. Like, well, I don't care. We, NC State won a basketball championship in 83. And Cleveland's a football town. Like they care about the Browns more than anything else. I want the Browns to win a Super Bowl. I badly. So yeah, Josh, fun. I'll ask you this. Is Machine Gun Kelly right? Did this, did this draft launch oh by, by the way i point out i um so we like to go scuba diving with my parents and uh one of, one of our dive guys down in um that, that where we dive he has for the last 20 years put a hundred dollars in the browns win the super bowl every single year he's like i'm just gonna keep doing it one day it's gonna hit it might not but, but maybe it will this year is this it josh is is this is this the draft that launches the Baker Mayfield MVP Brown Super Bowl championship season? Well, it is all on Baker Mayfield because uh, obviously he's got some athletic limitations that some other quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes do oh, not. Well, that's, that's- um, 
So, you know, he's, he's very reliant on his arm. You never know when health is going to come into the equation as well. So it, it's difficult to say they're going to win uh, the Super Bowl or even be in the mix because, you know, I, I'm, I, I was typically try to. About, I was mostly asking about the draft class. But, I mean, if you th- do you think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year? I think they're going to be in the mix. I try to steer clear of all this, like, um, unbridled oh, optimism oh, because it's, it's, it's kind of uncomfortable for me go, as a Browns I, fan. I can go a step below being someone that, that was raised in the Bills household. Bills-Browns AFC title game next January. It almost happened a few months ago. I, I really think, like, listen to it. Like, mark it down right now, right after the draft. Maybe I'm a little delirious because I've got – Four hours of sleep last night. I'm going to get four hours of sleep and have my daughter wake me up at about 6.45 in the morning tomorrow. I think Bill's Brown's AFC title game in 2021. 2022, I guess. I'm fully prepared to wake up on my couch again with my son, like, standing over me holding an iPad, beating That's That's how I – yeah, that's what's going to happen to me too. Because you get done, you got to decompress for a second, and all of a sudden you're just dead asleep on the couch. Um, Anyway, Mm -hmm. the Brown – we just gave the Browns the Super Bowl. I am. I think. I think the most impressive thing about the Browns, Josh, and this reverberates into the draft, is that finally, my boy Jimmy Haslam, fired up to the max, got out of the. He's gotten out of the way, and he's let his people do things. Uh, Brent R. Pointer asked, "What did I miss? Did MKG get drafted? Him? Who drafted him? I hope not the Bears. Who's MKG?" All right, that, that's my fault. I shouldn't have extended <laughs> that. Wait, D- machine Gun Kelly, I think. MGK is Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, uh, but he doesn't play tight end, so no, they didn't draft him. You flash something to my face, I'm going to read it. Yeah, that's 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 on me. <laughs> no, 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 that's he, on, he's that's he's on. like Ron Burgundy from Anchorman. <laughs> oh, 100%. Uh, I mean, it's it's on me, but. Yes, I mean, right. Diva, Diva, Diva should have I should know better by now. I should know better by now. <laughs> anyway, Josh, what do you think about the Browns draft is the simpler version of the question. So I love the first two picks. It's hard to get better value than Greg Newsom the second, as well as Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. Um, I'm, I'm going to wait and see with Anthony, Anthony Schwartz because he does have tremendous speed. Um, I have, you know, some concerns of, of, about him as a pass catcher, uh, running routes, all of the stuff that's associated with it. So I thought it was a little rich to be taken at that point. But we had already seen a run on these, you know, smaller wide receivers with tremendous speed like Tutu Atwell, um, obviously Rondale Moore, Elijah Moore. Those guys were going off the board quick. So if you did want to get in the mix, you had to get one of those guys. Uh, overall, if you're ecstatic with your first two picks, which I think all Cleveland fans should be, it's tough to get a better draft than that. So I think, you know, through three picks, it's about as good as it could possibly be if you're, you know, a Browns fan. All right. So we go from the Browns are winning the Super Bowl, which you would think be, would be the hottest take on the planet, except it's not because Traps uh, has it beat. No. And we're in the Slack channel or the, yeah, we can say Slack on here. We're in the Slack channel. Traps, what, what you said, you know what? I would like to prop up the, and actually, this is good for our brand on this podcast, frankly. <laughs> we need this. I might start inviting Las Vegas residents to come on this podcast. You have the Raiders as a winner on day two. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I never thought that I would ever say that and submit the Raiders as a winner. But what's funny about them, and they've kind of started this since Mike Mayock, joined that team as their GM a few years ago. It's like 
they pick someone in round one and then they pick someone in round two that's a good value. So if you just flip those first two picks, you're like, okay, if they would have picked Alex Leatherwood at what pick? 43. And then Trayvon Merrig at number 17 overall last night, everyone would say, wow, the Raiders did such a good job. They filled the safety need with that, that, is, that, is, that, that is correct. So, and what was funny is, is after the Alex Leatherwood pick last night, uh, John Gruden and Mike Mack were like, hey, we don't care what the draft analysts say about where Alex Leatherwood should go. It's like, Mike Mack, you were a draft analyst for like 15 years. Like, you, <laughs> you're a draft analyst who yeah, turned like, into a genius. You got hired because you were a good draft analyst, bro. Like, yeah, so I, that was really weird. But on day two, Trayvon Merrick, the consensus top safety among guys like Josh and myself, and anyone, I mean, it, it was hard to find anyone who didn't have him as the top safety. Javon Holland, even my guy Richie Grant went in front of him. Uh, he can do it all. The ball production was there for two straight seasons at TCU. Anything you need from Richie Grant, you can get from from Trayvon Merrig. And then after that, and maybe there's a little hometown bias here, Malcolm Kuntz from Buffalo, University of Buffalo. I've watched him play. One of the bendiest, most flexible edge rushers in this draft class. He's coming from the MAC. He's got to get stronger, definitely. Um, very long arms, too. And I thought it was interesting that he got invited to the Senior Bowl. Couldn't really work out because he was injured. But there's not very often where there's a lot of University of Buffalo players down there in Mobile, Alabama, uh, at the Senior Bowl. I think he's a good developmental rusher, can be that stand-up, old-school, like 3-4 outside linebacker. And then Divine Diablo after that, safety linebacker hybrid. I thought after Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, he was the best safety linebacker hybrid and it, it's all these safety picks are, are kind of washing away that Jonathan Abrams selection two years ago in the first round that I did not like because he's only good against the run with Divine Diablo Trayvon Merrick they got two good coverage safety types that can also play in the box so I, I think if you flip Alex Leatherwood and the safety from TCU you're like hey the Raiders for once at least to this point have actually done a good job in the draft um I'm not look I, I don't I don't, don't like it. Leather, I don't disagree with the Leatherwood boring take at all. And I just don't want to say anything bad about the Raiders. For Josh, do you have anything bad? You know what? You know what? We're not gonna we're not gonna refute it. Trap said it. The Raiders are awesome. The Raiders are killing it. Great job, Raiders. Woo! Vegas. Go Gruden. Go Mayock. While we're while we're while we're leaning in, <laughs> you know what? Let's just lean on in to this podcast brand. Let's find our teams, the teams we love. Josh Edwards trying to uh, – oh, oh, Debo's back! Wait, did, is, this your, is this your winner, Debo, or Josh? No, this winner? is Josh. I'm just, I'm just prepared for some Howie Roseman takes. Slide in like, like Collinsworth. Hey! <laughs> hey, girl. Yeah, so I went with uh, Philadelphia as my winner, which actually came as a surprise to Debo. Um, I hey, like – I like the Milton Williams pick. I think he's a good player. Um, he flashes a lot of potential. We don't see it consistently enough. Uh, but a guy with tremendous pass rush potential uh, to help out that Philadelphia defensive line. I like the pick. It was obviously not well received by everybody in Philadelphia's own front <laughs> office. But, uh, uh, you know, maybe Debo can offer some more insight to the video that went viral this this evening. Well, before he does that, have, do you guys know the – the Kardashian gif where she pops out of the bushes like, hey, and like oh, yeah. it was just there. That's what Debo just did. It's like also Debo's just like, hey. <laughs> like stroll through the bushes. So Debo, are, are you I, I'm not trying I'm not trying to bury that. I'm I am worried about the Eagles. I don't think they've had a bad draft at all. 
I, I don't I don't know enough about Milton Williams to be happy or sad that somebody wouldn't give Howie Rosen a fist pound. He gave I think him the, the fist like, pound. The pick was a good one. <laughs> and Devontae Smith was a great move. So I think the Eagles are doing fine. I, I think they're probably the fourth best team in that division still, depending on what Jalen Hurts does. But where are you at on the Eagles draft? I'm in a good spot with the draft. I think... Have you, you know, read the athletic piece yet? <laughs> I've pushed it off still. So so maybe that's why I'm not like overreacting to this uh, this bump mishap that we can call tonight. We need like an official nickname for, for that moment um, that might uh, go uh, down, uh, might not go down in Eagles history. Brentson, I'm sure you could come up with something there. Um, I don't really, I don't really care. I don't appreciate Howie Roseman. You guys know that over the past couple of years. Appreciate what he did in 2017. I've, I've made that clear, but I don't care about the moment tonight. Uh, I'd be more concerned if the guys in that office were afraid to voice their opinions to Howie Rose. I disagree with Brinson all the time. Coworkers can disagree, but it doesn't have to mean absolute dysfunction. And I'm not saying that there's like zero semblance of dysfunction in that front office. There probably is, but I'm not overreacting to that clip. Like they could have been talking about anything at that moment it's just like the, the cameras captured it the scout should have known that cameras were probably rolling um but i'm not overreacting to that i think some people do have an issue with the second round pick landon dickerson because of some like severe injury problems in the past but josh and no Chris, no way no way this guy is a monster everyone loves him this is what everyone you, loves the guy, if you're a football guy you want lander you want landon dickerson in your corner that dude nick saban paused the title it was the title game right not the it was the title game right yeah yeah he, that was he stopped the title game and was like no i'm getting my guy a snap out there and he comes out with a broken leg or a torn acl or whatever the hell it was and he walks out on the field and he snapped he has he they have to get him in there that is a glue guy with elite talent you put that guy with lane johnson you're talking about dogs like I'm, chris long dogs. trust me i am absolutely <laughs> with you but i and i like taking the risk at that position in the second round and i think that's what the organization has to do but there is concerns there. You know, I don't Sidney Jones was a guy the Eagles drafted a couple years ago that was a first round talent. People thought he could be a, a top 15 guy and had injuries and didn't pan out. I think that's kind of the fear for Josh and Chris. Like, where would Dickerson potentially could could he have gone if he was fully healthy or at least a little less of those health concerns? I, I well, I mean, I don't want to speak for the draft guys, but I would say I think Dickerson was definitely a first, a fully healthy Dickerson is a first round guy. I was, yeah, I was asking like top twenty, this, top fifteen. Is is he going in that range? Top twenty, Josh. yeah, okay. So if you're betting, health, same, but. And, and and again, this comes back to, and this is, I think, part of the like part of the part of the evaluation of an NFL draft or a, a team's a specific team's NFL draft. You know, it's very difficult because you have to, you're trusting Howie Roseman that he has enough. For instance, I mentioned with the Panthers, Joe Brady knows LSU very well. LSU is going to feed him whatever the hell he wants. They'll give him any information. Bill Belichick and Nick Saban do, you know, sweater vest specials on HBO all the time. If Bill Belichick calls down to Alabama, he's going to get whatever he wants. Is Howie Roseman getting everything he needs in terms of the information about Landon Dickerson? Are the scouts getting everything they need? Are the player personnel guys getting everything they need? We don't know that. Would want, you rather have? Oh, 
you start to uh, so like Landon Dickerson or Christian Barmore, Landon Dickerson or Tevin Jenkins. That's, that's well, well. There's apparently injury concerns with Tevin Jenkins too. My only concern with him, uh, with Landon Dickerson, outside of the injuries, because you can never really project future injury. I know he had a bunch in college. <laughs> is that this dude? Yeah, six six three thirty eight at the Alabama Pro Day, and maybe like he he gained a little bit of weight because he can't really work out. He's not playing center at six six and three forty in the NFL, and I think. To get super nerdy, I think he's a little stiff. I mean, he, he's huge. Like, is he a guard? He played all five positions at Florida State and Alabama. So I think, like, in terms of versatility and that dog mentality that Kyle Long and Lane Johnson really made famous there in that Super Bowl run, like, I think he has that. But I, I never got on board with this as, like, this slam dunk Chris Long. top 15 prospect. Chris Long. Both Long Chris brothers. Long. Friend, Chris Long. Typically yeah. friends of the podcast. But. Oh, yes. Name yeah. drop again. I like it. No, no, no. The Long Brothers are just straight up friends. I mean, I don't know if they're friends, but I mean, they're friends of the podcast. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I like talking about MMJ with Chris Long all the time. Anywho, the Eagles draft. So you're you're cool. Where where do the Eagles slot out? And you know what? Maybe well, where do the Eagles slot out for you in the NFC East right now? It's, I don't think there's a lot of separation between any of the teams. And like last year, sure. we, you, I think agreed with me because of the continuity, you know, benefits that the Eagles had. We thought they would be at the top of the division. That obviously did not pan out. So now Carson Woods would morph into Joey Harrington. <laughs> I haven't heard that one yet. Um, <laughs> so now it's, it's kind of re- reversed where they are kind of pegged at the bottom, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're nine and eight and make the playoffs. That sounds terrible. 9-8, by the yeah. way. I, I hate it. I hate it. I would be surprised if they went 9-8 and eight and made the playoffs, but that's not that crazy, I guess. I like what the Giants in Washington have done. Uh, we will hit losers in a second. Before we get there, I, I want to point out that uh, one of my the final winner, man, I like what the 49ers are doing a lot. Is that is that crazy? Am I crazy, Josh? Uh uh, or traps. Go ahead, one. Josh. Go ahead, Josh. No, go ahead. You you had the thought. I need to look to see what I, they did. I didn't really. I didn't really like what they did. I didn't really like it. But go ahead, Will. Okay. I don't. I don't know that that Ambry Thomas, who you know I've scouted for years, or Aaron Banks are necessarily elite prospects. But I just feel like Kyle Shanahan's gearing up for something. Trey Sermon is a perfect 49ers running back. And yes, that's true. Kind of early. Like, that dude is a one cut and burst through a hole and obliterates you to the end of the earth. And maybe if Jimmy G gets hurt, I wouldn't be that surprised that they fashioned some sort of read option offense with Trey Lance and, and Trey Sermon. Oh, my God, they drafted two guys named Trey. That's kind of weird. That, would they call it like the tray tray option? There you go. There you go. That yeah, is tray option. There you go. Trademark it. Name tray. Anywho, yeah. I don't know that. I don't know Trademark. enough about their second and their their second pick and their fourth pick. Aaron Banks and Avery Thomas. So you guys can tell me about them. I just think when I man when I start thinking about this 49ers, they they get they bring in Alex Mack, they bring back Trent Williams, Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, 
maybe Trey Lance, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo, and you toss Trey Sermon in there, who all of a sudden could be not. I mean, a third round, a third round pick is nothing. That's a third. It's a. I mean, it is something, but it's a third round pick on a running back. That's fine. This is where the Shannon clan make their money. You plug Trey Sermon as explosive as he is off that like the one cut. I, I just see. I would. I think Trey Sermon. If you're talking about fantasy purposes too, is probably gonna he's not gonna be top of the mind running back or top of the mind wide receiver. You can grab him in the first round of your dynasty leagues, and he might. I mean, he might go 1,200 yards rushing next year. Yeah, he definitely is the the right fit in that zone blocking scheme. I, I'm just surprised that Kyle Shanahan picked him in the third round because, like, it, it feels like whether it's Mike Shanahan or Kyle Shanahan, they can take like an undrafted free agent and turn him into a thousand yard running back. But this is with Trey Sermon. And this is the one thing that I agree with that he is like way more talented than some of the guys that they've run through there, that they have gotten good production from. So you could see in a year or two that Trey Sermon is like a 1200 yard back because of the vision and the explosion. Aaron Banks does not fit the zone blocking scheme. The, uh, their second pick there in the second round or their first pick in, in the second round. Uh, he's big wide. He's kind of built like a fridge. Uh, not someone that's going to get across line of scrimmage very well. And I, I like Ambry Thomas, uh, very fast, good in press man, but not very physical. Uh, did they need corner after losing Richard Sherman? Yes, but it, it was just a little bit weird for uh, Tyle Shanahan to say, hey, we need a running back here in the third round. But like you were just outlining, Will, like it's not really a team that has a ton of needs. I mean, they were in the Super Bowl two years ago. Getting back Nick Bosa will be pretty helpful this year, too. So maybe yeah. they're more of a, hey, let's just pick best player available. So I didn't hate it, but I wouldn't have picked it as a winner. Maybe talking through it, I'd feel a little better. I guess their running back group is not – you always feel like their running back group is good. I mean, they're basically down to Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Plus, they signed Wayne Coleman. Yeah. Sermon could be their guy, Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking through it, I, I see it pretty similarly to Traps. Um, Aaron Banks is probably a little bit too rich to be taken where he was, but I like the value on Sermon and Ambry Thomas quite a bit. Um, that Ohio State offense likes to run a lot of stretch plays through the wide zone. Uh, we saw it a lot last year with J.K. Dobbins, and I think that's going to be a good fit in Kyle Shanahan's scheme in San Francisco. So um, they have been churning through these you know, undrafted free agents or lower-tiered you know, free agents off the street. But now you bring in a really dynamic player who, you know, has shown flashes of big playmaking ability, uh, although inconsistently. I mean, he his best season might have been 2018 at Oklahoma before he transferred to yeah. Ohio State. So um, he's got a lot of potential, but, you know, you have to be a little bit aware of the concerns of, of inconsistency as well. I, I will point out that I got this text from my buddy Nathan who said, you're a Shanahan sycophant. <laughs> like, like, you just suck up to the. And I, I'm not sucking up to Kyle Shanahan. I just think Kyle Shanahan's really good at his job, and it, he is. He is. He's good at his job, and yeah. I, I don't deny that. So, I, man, I look at this offense. I don't know where to go in the NFC West. They're 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 pretty wild. And the whole division. I feel like I love the Rams. I love the 49ers. I don't want to fade Russell Wilson. Cardinals have my heart a little bit. Ooh, yes. man, I love that division. All right, let's take a break. When we get back, losers from the day two of the 2021 NFL draft. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports 
that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment for the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, Traps, you, I, I, I like that you're willing to go out on a ledge because I feel like the Dolphins mm-hmm. kind of been banging it, and, and yet you are going to hammer the Dolphins for being a loser while I put down my headphones and go refill my glass with ice. All right, well, this is a lot based on the fact that Debo told us going into this podcast we're going to lean day two. So it, it's not really about what they did on day one. I love Jalen Waddell. I loved – Jalen Phillips. So what they did on, on day one is not part of this pick for the Dolphins being a loser. And I promise it has nothing to do with the fact that I was raised in a Bills household in West New York. Javon Holland at number 36 overall. I, I think his nine interceptions at Oregon in those two seasons there was a little bit misleading. Uh, a few of them were like tip passes or just kind of punt returns where it was like the quarterback just throwing the ball up at the last second. Uh, and I don't think he's super athletic to cover in the slot. Um, there was a lot of times that I saw him look a little bit stiff when he actually had to cover someone deep down the field. So I, I like the instincts, but when Trayvon Merrick was still on the board, my guy Richie Grant, Andre Cisco from Syracuse, um, someone who I think is much better at literally being a ball hawk uh, on the football field, I, I, was a, I didn't really like that. And then Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame. And I get that Notre Dame has a great reputation, um, especially on the offensive line with Zach Martin, um, with the uh, Ronnie Stanley. I almost forgot his name there for a second. And a lot of other players that they're just pumping out from Notre Dame on the offensive line. I think Eichenberg is kind of similar to Javon Holland, that he's a good player, a good football player but I'm worried about him athletically. And I don't know if he's going to play guard or right tackle. They said that they're moving Robert Hunt into right guard. So I think if you leave Liam Eichenberg um, on an island at right tackle, he's going to face some problems when he's dealing with like more explosive and bendier edge rushers. And then Hunter Long, I, I don't 
hate this selection uh, and, and to give Tua another pass catching target. And he was very productive at Boston College, uh, but he's not someone that is going to separate very often. And I think the 57 catches in 2020 was more a function of AJ Dillon was gone and there was really not a, a high caliber wide receiver there. So they pumped him a, lo a lot of targets. Um, but I, I do think he has good seam stretching ability. Like he, he's decently fast. I just thought that especially those two picks to start off day two with Javon Holland and Liam Eichenberg, technically sound, but not a great athlete. Uh, when you have to protect to a tongue of Iloa, the offensive line is a weak link system. If you have one bad offensive lineman, it can really spell trouble for the whole unit. And if they're going to run Liam Eichenberg out there as a rookie, uh, I think that's going to cause some problems for the development of tour. That's obviously really, really important uh, in year two. I will say, Josh, that I just sort of had this feeling the Dolphins were doing great. And then you kind of look at this. You're like, eh. Eh. Yeah. That's no, no, no. I'm saying like, I don't disagree with you traps. I'm, I'm wondering, Josh. Yeah. That's you, how I feel too. Yeah. Do you no. disagree with the, uh, the approach here or the take here? I, I agree with Traps. I mean, as much as I love Javon Holland, I thought it was a little rich, um, much as, you know, what we talked about with the last team. But I love Holland. I love his communication. I love his leadership. He's got the ability to play the slot. He's got the ability to be a safety. Um, I love his versatility, but it just felt like it was a little bit too early. Um, now, it could have been a reaction and maybe an overreaction to the fact that Javante Williams was taken just before their pick. Maybe they were hoping to get that final running back of the top three. Um, Liam Eikenberg, I wasn't as big of a fan of. Uh, he's got a lot of athleticism, just like Samuel Cosme and some of these other offensive tackles uh, that have been taken on day two. But they're very unpolished. So I was just uncomfortable taking those guys on day two. Um, Hunter Long, very solid player, uh, has been productive throughout his career at Boston College and could be a very, you know, a very popular target for Tua Tagovailoa, but um, I just, you know, he he's similar to what they've already got. So I mean, I don't love it. Um, there's a couple players that I like. It's just the value just didn't feel like it was there. All right, Josh. Uh, while, while we're leaning into podcast themes, we're not talking about the Bengals. Oh my God, we're freaking podcast. We haven't talked about Andy Dalton. It's delightful. We're talking about the Steelers. You've got as a loser on day two, no loser overall. They drafted a running back in the first round. I'm sure that, you know, they're fine. Thanks. Yeah, you didn't have to be specific. They're just kind of a loser overall. Um, Najee Harris, <laughs> I just, you know, from Edwards, a Edwards Cohen, Steelers are losers. <laughs> from a philosophical standpoint, I don't uh, generally agree with taking a running back in the first round, specifically when you have almost zero offensive line. Uh, I think the offensive line has to come before you can worry about a running back. That was my biggest issue with Najee Harris. Um, going into day two, we thought they were going to get some of those offensive linemen. Instead, they start with Pat Fryermuth, the tight end from Penn State, who I do like as a prospect, but this offensive line just needs so much help, um, You know, whether it's an offensive tackle or interior offensive line. Now, they did swing back and get Kendrick Green, who has the versatility to play center or guard. Uh, but I wasn't as high on him as maybe some other people. Uh, you know, so I just – I don't like overall what they've done. I think the Najee Harris investment is probably not going to pay off unless they're able to find some other creative ways to fix this offensive line. For a very – you know, there was this 
for whatever reason, the last couple of years, you you know, see on Sunday Night Football, you hear Chris Collinsworth. This, you know, Al, this is a team that pounds the ball and they just dominate the physical run game every time the Steelers would play. So I would say they dominate the physical run game. They hadn't been doing that for years. Not but, anymore. But what the hallmark of the Steelers had been for the last five years plus, I mean, even dating back, gosh, golly, dating back to like maybe 10 years. I'm old as crap because David DeCastro was a first-round pick in 2012. Oh, well, well, well. Look at Ryan Wilson joining us on the podcast, lying in his bed, trying to watch The Office on Netflix, and he can't help himself. He's got to do some YouTube. His day two loser, people who think the Steelers are losers, these all caps, they, this is a very old thing to do, just to type in all caps. They crushed the draft suckers. <laughs> Kendrick Green is their future Hall of Famer, and everybody knows it. If you look at the Steelers' offensive line, that was the key to them trying Ryan to beat the Patriots and Ryan failing constantly is that they had a good offensive line that Le'Veon Bell ran behind that protected big Ben. It it's gone. It's in the words of Vince Carter. It's over. Vince Carter walks up the camera. It's over. It's over. This line sucks. It's gone. It, it, it's gone. It's, it, it's just, it's, and it's gone. The, this offensive line is history, and they didn't address it. And instead, they drafted a running back. This doesn't feel very Steelersy. I'm with you. These guys are these guys are losers. What are, are they? Are, am I going to be right after all? And they're going to finish last in the AFC North this year? I might double double it down on this thing. Let's double down. Steelers losers, and they will finish dead last. Also a loser. Aaron Rodgers. Surprising, perhaps. But if you look at what the Green Bay Packers did, that, this is the funniest thing in the world to me. The Green Bay Packers. So they took Eric, uh, Eric Stokes, who I had going to Green Bay my, in my mock draft. Hello. And had the under on for a substantial amount of money. Yeah, hello. In the second day of the draft, they take an offensive lineman because they need one. Josh Myers, as Traps notes in his, uh, in his notes, ready to go center. This is basically a, uh, a Corey, Lindsay, Corey Lindsay replacement. And then, yep. <laughs> I cannot believe this is real life. They drafted Amari Rodgers. They drafted A. Rodgers in the third round. So while Aaron Rodgers is in the middle of throwing this publicly vented hissy fit, that was an absolute nuclear bomb. Adam Schefter got this information before a commercial. He told ESPN, he told on the day of the draft, he told ESPN to go to commercial. Do you know how effing lock solid you have to be on a monster scoop to tell your network to go to commercial and you'll break it when you come back? This was a absolute drone strike from Aaron Rodgers at the Packers on draft day. And so the Packers' response, first they pee themselves and act like it's not a big deal and draft Eric Stokes. And the second day, they, I don't know if you guys have seen the South Park, they, they're like, we're sorry. We're sorry. Sorry, Aaron. Sorry, <laughs> they drafted a new center and a wide receiver named A. Rogers. This is amazing. So I think Aaron Rodgers is kind of a loser because the Packers are going to do whatever it takes to get him back. And he's not going to get what he wants, which I don't think we really know. So, Traps, do you do you like what the, the Packers did on day two, I guess, is my question. Definitely more than what they did on day one. I mean, 
when this nuclear bomb landed, everyone thought, oh, geez, like this whole brass there in Green Bay, they have to go wide receiver in round one and they pick another corner when they already have Jair Alexander. I know Kevin King re-signed and and, and had some struggles there in the NFC title game, but everyone's like, oh my God, they're really just trying to give the middle finger to Aaron Rodgers after this huge report surface an hour before the draft. On day two, though, to get a replacement for Corey Lindsley and get kind of this – not Randall Cobb type, but underneath slot receiver that can be someone that Aaron Rodgers can find high percentage throws where he doesn't have to just pepper Devontae Adams with like 200 targets. I think now it Aaron Rodgers actually has a little bit more power. And finally, the Packers are like, oh, yeah, we have this future first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks ever. Like, let's start to get him a better team. Like all the graphics of all the first round picks that they've used on defense and defensive linemen and corners in his tenure, I think they finally smartened up and they're like, we are getting close to being the front office that trades Aaron Rodgers. So we need to draft guys on offense. So I didn't really hate as much as what they did in round two and three as they, what they did in round one. So it's really not even like Aaron Rodgers is a loser. I, I, my twisted brain finds way to, he's a loser. <laughs> he's come back and the Packers helped him out, but another loser, Josh, the team, that would be trading for Aaron Rodgers, the favorite to trade for Aaron Rodgers if he didn't come back to the Packers, the Denver Broncos. You have the Denver Broncos as a loser in terms of day two action. How come? Javante Williams is a stud, by the way. So would Aaron Rodgers have to wear A.A. Rodgers on the back of his jersey now that Amari is there? Is that why he's a loser? If they make him do that, then he's a loser. If they make Exactly, him, exactly. Jersey, there you go. I'm thinking yeah, maybe they out. Josh is in. That's the funniest thing. That's funny. Anything Wilson said. Maybe they're trying to put Amari in a number twelve jersey and just hope oh the God, Packers this, fans don't if, realize he's gone. What if they were like? What? What if they were like? Aaron shows up to camp and it's, it's like Aaron Rod, a, a Rogers, and then parentheses two on the quarterback's jersey. Just a absolute <laughs> fight move. Oh, he's wearing number eight. Well, they should have been in twelve, or it should have been in two. I mean, and then. I, don't know. I, I like Amari Rogers. Anyway, Josh, you you think the Broncos suck this this uh, on day two? Yeah, sucked might be a a, a harsh word. Um, I love Javante Williams, the prospect. I'm just wondering what what they're doing. I mean, you signed Melvin Gordon last off season to a pretty substantial deal, um, and then you turn around and you invest another high pick into a running back after you let Philip Lindsay go. I understand it was quote-unquote mutual, but um, to invest a high second-round pick in a running back after you've already got a quality back on the roster, uh, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It doesn't seem like good roster building um, underway there in Denver. I, I don't trade up for him, too. I really like Javante. Yeah. He's a stud. He, he ripped NC State apart. I'm, I'm a little annoyed that for some reason the, the when you click the trade button on the CBS Draft Tracker, which is fantastic, it doesn't tell you the details of the trade. I feel like they kind of paid a big price and they jumped up. And I mean, 35 is one of the first three picks in the second round. Some scout, some dude, somebody in the personnel department was banging the table for Javante Williams. And I, I do agree with you. Why would you, they're doing this. It's this dumb thing where they went from John Elway to George Payton or Patton. And now it's, it's like, John Elway wanted to had to pay Melvin Gordon, and now you draft. What it's just yeah, insistent for the love for the it's, love of all that's holy. Um, traps. 
you have another AFC team that, oh, a loser. This is a surprising one, I think. No, 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 I say it's bad, but the Indianapolis Colts and Chris Ballard, who has been, frankly, smashing drafts for the last three years. Yeah, one other thing just quickly on Javante Williams and just a draft philosophy. Trading up for a running back is never a good idea. It's just not. To, to spend two or three picks, regardless of where they are, on a running back, even if it is in round two, it's just not good team building, like Josh said. I don't like what the Colts did because they drafted two edge rushers and they traded for Carson Wentz this offseason. And if anyone watched Carson Wentz the last couple of years, I think Debo can chime in at any point. You know that he needs quality offensive line play. And that is a gigantic need for the Colts at left tackle. Anthony Costanzo retired this offseason. You pick Quiddy Pay in the first round and think, okay, they're going to have the same philosophy as, say, the Bengals. They're going to pick another player and then go offensive line early in round two. Then in round two, they pick, I'm not the best at pronouncing his name, Dale Idenigbo, the edge rusher from Vanderbilt, who's a good player, very heavy hands, like big physical guy, tore his Achilles in the pre-draft process. So he's almost like a red shirt type. He's not even someone that's going to come in and pair with Pay right away. And you just ignore the left tackle spot. And now entering round four, there's not a ton of like instant starters at the left tackle spot. Maybe they want to sign like Ali Villanueva or something like that. But I, I think if you bring in Carson Wentz, you can't just ignore the left tackle spot and just hope he magically gets really good under pressure in year six or whatever he's in. So that's actually interesting because it segues into my loser for the second round of the draft. I think I actually chatted deep and said San Francisco. I meant Jacksonville, not San Francisco, because Trip Balky, the former San Francisco GM, now running Urban Meyer's front office in Jacksonville. Do you know what? Do, are you guys, you guys have been doing this for a while, but uh, do you know that or, like Trip Balky's deal? Do you know what his deal is? Are you aware of like his thing? Because this he is like trade down a lot with the 49 no, 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 This is a weird thing. Debo, get me, uh, let's get Walker Little and Andre Cisco in. Uh, oh, in, he drafts guys that are injured. He drafts guys with torn ACLs. What the hell? Yes, he did what it a lot with this? the 49ers. Why is that your thing? Who wants to draft it's guys weird. with torn ACLs? I, I, if they the, drafted Marshawn Lattimore or uh, Marcus Lattimore and Brandon Thomas back in the uh, day, and like neither of them like got on the field yeah, ever because they were like, uh, super uh, injured. I'm, also, I'm giving a couple Kendrick. It's not Kendrick Bourne. Um, oh God, Street Contavia Street had a torn ACL in the draft process. He took him to the fifth round. Look at this, Walker Little torn a oh no Walker Little major injury. Andre Cisco torn ACL. Why this is the stupidest thing. In the history of professional football, why is your thing to draft guys with torn ACLs? 49ers beat writers <laughs> tweeting out like, hey, if you're looking for Trent Balky's torn ACL count, it's up another two. It's it, weird. It's 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 the opposite of of I don't even I, I, yeah. don't, I don't get lost on words much, but if your thing is drafting for drafting guys with torn ACLs, you're just you're just a you're just a dollar store dra- you're just a dollar store drafter. That's all you are. You're not a talent evaluator. You're a dollar store drafter. You're looking to yeah, find I, I, Jim in the weeds who tore his ACL and you're hoping that he gets healthy. This is insane. 
Yeah, it feels like he he thinks that he's cornered the market, but I think in general, he's cornered like almost every other team have debilitating teams. <laughs> yeah, that it's like every other GM is like, oh, this is an injury red flag. We're not going to pick this guy, or we're going to pick him way later. And he just every draft two or three other players. I didn't think of it right away, but then I remembered that that was a thing that like beat reporters in San Francisco are like, there's another guy, Marcus Lattimore, great running back, but like shredded his knee twice in college. Uh, it's very weird. I, I don't understand. I mean, Walker Little and Andres Cisco are good players, but if that's your thing, if you hired a guy and he's like, I'm going to draft injured guys, that's very weird. Well, and, and he wasn't even, he was already in Jacksonville and they just promoted him. Josh, would you be Whatever. cool if Trent Bauke and Urban Meyer are running the Browns right now? Not at all. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of, uh, I wasn't a fan of the Urban Meyer hire um, and some of the comments that he's made in the media in recent days about Travis Etienne being a third down back that uh, you apparently felt comfortable taking in the first round is a little confusing to me. Uh, but then Trent Balky with his past was just, you know, it, it's, it's very mind boggling. I'm literally biting my shirt not to interrupt you. It's insane. Like, they, like, what are we doing? How is, I mean, I think Urban, I'm, I'm sure that I'll end up. And with- what did Urban Meyer mean when he said we want to be top eight in the league? Like that was another thing where I was like, does Urban Meyer think that he has some formula that if you finish top eight in running in today's NFL, then like you're in great shape. It's after you just drafted Trevor Lawrence and you have good receivers. Like that was a, such a weird comment from front to back. And so I think Kirk Herbstreit is as good as it gets at his job. I am not in like criticizing Kirk Herbstreit. But Kirk Herbstreit went to Ohio State. I think Kirk Herbstreit's probably pretty close to Urban Meyer, who coached Ohio State. Whatever. Kirk Herbstreit went on the first day of the draft and said, Urban Meyer's going to change the culture. And, I mean, you have to assume he's getting this for Urban Meyer. He's he's like, Urban Meyer's going to change the culture because he's going to get a culture where you have better players than your opponent. That's not how the NFL works. This, I am, I'm, the reason I'm so irate about this has nothing to do with the fact that I've got two hours of sleep and, and you know, the draft is going on. It has to, they're going to ruin Trevor Lawrence. This team is going to ruin Trevor Lawrence, and I am already mad about it. If they Andrew Luck this guy, I am, I, I'm, I'm already, I'm out. I, I can't, my whole, my whole mom's whole family's from Jacksonville. No, shoot him to the moon. Put him on, put him on a rocket ship and shoot that giant geographical city to the moon. Brunswick County, you're gone. Duval County, you're gone. If they ruin Trevor Lawrence because Urban Meyer thinks that he can magically flip the culture via drafting or getting better players, you're not recruiting, man. That's not how it works. Travis Etienne, not a third down back. You don't draft, you don't hire a guy who drafts people with torn ACLs. This screams worse disaster than the Jaguars regime before. Sorry, I'm a little worked up here about the Jaguars. I don't know why. The point being, I am. I think the Jaguars have a problem on their hands. And one thing I don't get is that every time where there's a big-name college coach who goes from college to the NFL, I mean, maybe outside of Matt Rule, he doesn't seem to be too crazy with his ego. A lot of them, like Chip Kelly and I think like Urban Meyer, think that like because they're in college, they know the draft better because they were just recruiting these guys and, and that it's, they're going to be the czar of their NFL team. And they're going to, like you're just saying what Herb Street said, bring in, you know, just better talent and have an advantage all the way across the board. Just does not happen in the NFL. And, and the whole, like, they know 
the college game, so they're going to be better in the NFL draft. I think that's a complete fallacy. All right, we're going to wrap on this. Three quarterbacks were taken from 60 to 70. So quarterback run. Kyle Trask to the Bucks at 64. Kellen Mond to the Vikings at 66. And Davis Mills to the Texans at 67, which oddly led the NFL Network's coverage. Because apparently Deshaun, I mean, I don't know. We don't know what Deshaun, what is going to happen with Deshaun Watson. But it was, it was, it was turned into a big deal on television. If you had to pick, Josh, one of these guys in their current situations in five years who were going to be the most successful, who would you take? Well, uh, that's a complicated question because the player that I would pick based on talent is uh, a different answer than the player that probably has the best chance to succeed. So Let Let me rephrase it. Who's the best fit for the franchise that drafted them? So the best fit for the franchise that drafted them would probably be Kyle Trask. Uh, he's he's already been playing in Florida. He's underneath Tom Brady, who uh, would by all accounts be a tremendous mentor as he's trying to learn the game. He's not going to be thrust into the mix anytime soon. So Kyle Trask would probably be in the best position. Uh, but I think I think if I had to um, think back to our rankings, I think Traps and I both had Davis Mills as that sixth quarterback. So but I'll actually go with it. I mean, to, to give that same answer uh, or, or to answer that same question, Kellen Mond, to me, uh, I think in Minnesota with Justin Jefferson there, what they've done on their offensive line, I really like how they've built up the offensive line, Christian Darasaw and Wyatt Davis uh, with Brian O'Neill, Garrett Bradbury's kind of a turnstile at center. I think the Vikings ownership is kind of fed up with Kirk Cousins. So like, yeah, Davis Mills is more talented, and Kyle Trask uh, learning under Tom Brady. Like, that's a, a fantastic scenario. And right now, the Buccaneers are, like, the team to beat, of course, bringing back everyone after winning the Super Bowl. But I think three to five years down the road, the Vikings, especially on offense, I think are a little bit more set up for a third-round pick quarterback to come in and, and be a Dak Prescott type um, to not be an early pick but ultimately be a good starter. And I think kind of that's how Kellen Mond kind of plays. Like, he's – good inside the pocket, decent athleticism. I don't think he's going to be Dak Prescott 2.0, but projecting forward, I would bet to kind of bring it back into Will's realm here. I would bet that Kellen Mond would be uh, the most likely to succeed over the next three to five years. I do love the idea of uh, Kirk, I mean, of, uh, of Mike Zimmer. It's like, he's like, I can't wait to get rid of Kirk Cousins. Oh, he can't right, wait. We're going to throw Kellen Mond out there. It would be great. All right. Give me one one, one or two each. Josh, we'll start with you. One or two names each. Best available day three that you're Ooh, thinking. And it didn't have, it have to be first first off the board, just guys you want to see, guys you would want to be drafted by the team you love. So two guys that I like probably a little more than the majority are Jordan Smith, the edge rusher from UAB. Uh, tremendous length, some good bend around the waist. Um, and then I like Hamilcar Rashid Jr. from Oregon State. Um, I think he is playing out of position at Oregon State, similar to what Joseph Osai was in 2019. He's played more of a more off-ball linebacker type role. But I think if you allow him to be an edge rusher and get after the quarterback, that's probably where he's going to find the most success. So um, although they may not show up 
you know, at the top of best player available or, um, you know, even be talked about until later day three. It may be fifth or sixth round before uh, we start discussing either one of those guys. I think both of them have a lot of potential. By the way, huge win for me to – I saw Sage Surratt in there. So, the brother of Chaz Surratt. If Chaz Surratt gets drafted ahead of Lee McNeil, I'm, I'm out in the lawn just lying in my grass crying as my dog barks over and over and over again. Traps, who are two guys that you want for the Bills in day three? Uh, actually, one of the guys that I was going to pick if you didn't put that Bills caveat on it, Daz Newsome from North Carolina. I know you're an NC State guy, Will, but I know you've watched a lot of guys are awesome. A lot. Yeah, but I know you've watched a lot of UNC football. Daz Newsome to me, I I think in terms of he brings kick return ability and that translates to how he plays the wide receiver position. He is so dynamic after the catch. And in that Notre Dame game where they gave Notre Dame a, a pretty tough contest, Daz Newsome, I thought was the better wide receiver than Diami Brown, who went uh last night. I, I think he is someone that projects very well to the modern day NFL. He can get open. Um, he doesn't have the best hands and he didn't test very well. He reminds me a lot of Deontay Johnson uh, of the Steelers that he went to Toledo, didn't test well, but looked faster and, and more sudden on film and has been a pretty good receiver that went later. Um, but like Josh said, he could go in the fifth or sixth round just because of the testing and because he kind of took a backseat to Diamond Brown this year. And then Jamar Johnson, the safety from Indiana, a lot of what started uh, the Justin Fields plummet or that he doesn't know how to read defenses or he can't get off a second read, a lot of people were citing that Indiana game. And Jamar Johnson had an interception of Justin Fields in that game, another pass breakup. Uh, I think he's got great range from the deep middle, and it is hard to find uh, rangy safeties that can just sit there like an Earl Thomas and get to the sideline. I don't think he has that type of speed, but his range is really good. And and he's a striker downhill. So I think we saw a bunch of safeties go off the board. Jamar Johnson is someone who really gave a very fast and talented Ohio state group, a lot of troubles just roaming the deep middle. And I think it's a good value to find someone like that on the third day of the draft. All right. Six hours tomorrow. Have you got, have you guys done, you guys done the rate, you know what? I don't like the fact that it's not at Radio City Music Hall anymore. I, I know, love, man. I love the radio, radio City. This you would spend six hours. I only did one. Is in 2012. I think I went to down to Fort Lauderdale. But the coolest thing of my the coolest thing of my career, or one of the coolest things, was that just I just happened to get hired by CBS. They're like, "You're going to the draft." It was the Panthers. The Panthers are the first pick. It was Cam Newton. And but I mean, like Saturday Radio City is the biggest weirdest grind of your life you feel like you're in a vegas casino but with no gambling and no alcohol and just it's like some guy saying over the microphone there's a trade on the seventh round pick so i, I kind of miss that kind of wish they would still do it but um you guys are grinding hard as hell just did 90 minutes on here with me and uh deserve a break Sometimes Sunday, Josh Edwards, Josh Edwards, Christian Bassett. Thanks, boys. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.